Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within. To seek out new joys and new methods of awakening. To boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Well, welcome once again, fellow explorers. Good to be with you and our tribe of people interested in knowing the best ways to connect with the mystery within. I am here with my trusty sidekick, co-host, and friend, Brian Tom O'Connor. Good to see you again, Brian. And I always sure. love doing these with you and, Thank and you. seeing where they go. And I am, I always say I'm excited, but damn it, I'm excited again, enthusiastic about this topic. We call it the mystical use of language. But before we go into that, I just want to remind our listeners that our website is, um, in my humble opinion, awesome. Uh, awarenessexplorers.com has lots of episode to download for free. We have a separate section for guided meditations that range from three minutes to 15 minutes that can get you high. And we have a donate button and information about our awareness coaching. So I hope you'll check that out and have a good time exploring the Awareness Explorers website. But let's get back to the topic at hand which we call the mystical use of language, or uh, another way of saying it is how to make love with words. <laughs> mm. When I bring up that topic or those ways of saying that, what first comes to mind for you, well, Mr. You Brian Tom O'Connor? <laughs> well, when you say how to make love with words, I kind of chuckle out of that. I, I thought of a friend who calls me up and the first thing he always says is, what are you wearing? Ah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, people really like to be verbal about that sort of thing, and some people don't. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about words that actually are pointers to awakening or to the pure awareness within. Some people call them fingers pointing to the moon. The moon yeah. is what it's pointing at, and the fingers you can listen to and then let go of. And, you know, I like the spontaneous nature of these conversations, because when you mentioned, a say, sexting is the term that sometimes uh, younger people use to describe using words to help create a sensual feeling. And when you think about it, words can do a lot of stuff. They can paint a beautiful picture, they can paint a sexy picture, and they can paint a picture to help remind us of our true nature. It's just a matter of how you use them. But in this culture or this culture we live in, a lot of times we use words to create a lot of separateness, a lot of blame and put downs, and it leads to the opposite direction of the unity and love that we're really seeking. That's right. Actually, words have a tendency to do that by their very nature, because the nature of words is to create distinctions between things. 
And that's why words are never actually the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth, if we wanted to try and speak it, we would be forced to simply remain silent. And yet we do use words because, as we said before, they can be a pointer to the ultimate silence. Yeah, and I think it's an art form and a science to some extent to be able to use your words to help you or other people get high versus to create more separateness. And, you know, I started at a young age learning this science because part of that science of using words to create changes in a person's consciousness is the whole science of hypnosis. And I was always amazed. My uncle was a hypnotist, and I was just flabbergasted that he could talk to somebody for five minutes and get them to believe that they were Mick Jagger, and they would start jumping up on tables singing, I can't get no satisfaction. I thought, wow, words are powerful. And how can I use that not to turn somebody into Mick Jagger, but how to turn me into a happy or peaceful human being became an interest of mine. And I think that most people don't study this subject because they don't really know what's possible or think that words can be used that way. How did he do that? How did your uncle do that? Well, I can do that as well because I am a hypnotist. And um, I believe that right now you believe that you're a person named Brian Tom O'Connor, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Right. Well... Ha, 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 that's uh, pretty funny because actually you are an awareness that has no name and you've been hypnotized to think that you are Brian Tom O'Connor and Uh that you have this past. Uh Aha, so we are already hypnotized. Absolutely. And really most hypnosis in a spiritual nature is how to de-hypnotize people from their various identities that You know, I've known people who last time they had a drink was 40 years ago, and they still think of themselves as an alcoholic. So, you know, we can get very deep into our identities and hypnotize us. And really, the question is, how do you use words to let go of all that? Because in this moment, we are all just a awareness looking out of these eyes. And that's the truth of our nature. And things like poetry or certain methods that we'll talk about in a little bit can help you with that dehypnosis so that you can get back to, in a way, what's more real than our memory. Right. It's the same thing that's been looking out through our eyes ever since we were a little kid that's looking out of our eyes now, but we tend not to identify with that. We tend to identify with what we think of ourselves in terms of our personalities, our names, our egos, and our bodies. So what you're saying is that's the hypnosis. And to dehypnotize ourselves from that is the task of language used in a mystical sense. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, language does, at least in this culture, has a bias towards this separateness. It's like a hammer where everything starts to look like a nail or it's a hammer like everything looks like it's separate. But science now sees that everything is interconnected. There's no firm boundaries. I mean, one example I give to people is you and I currently in this second have over a million 
atoms that were in the body of Jesus Christ. You know, that's how interconnected we are, not just with other people on earth, but with people who lived thousands of years ago. But language doesn't point to this reality of unity. It points to how things have clear boundaries that are separate and can be manipulated. And that's a very, very false view of how things actually are. Right. And that's language's job. That's why it was created in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to point to something and say uh, food and point to something else and say danger. And so in that sense, it's very, very useful. But I think we can repurpose language to help to point us back to the common element of all of our experience and the common element between people, which is, of course, I'll let our listeners guess, awareness. <laughs> yes. And also things like love and, and unity and ecstasy. Um, you know, speaking of love, though, in this culture, we have pretty much one word for love, which covers, I love pizza, I love my dog, I love my shoes, I love you, I love God. And just the fact that we don't have many words for it, or how about the word God? You know, now we have things like, consciousness and awareness and spirit but in islam they have 99 names for god depending on which aspect you're looking at and in hinduism they have god knows how many gods they have you know lakshmi and krishna and this and that whereas you know traditionally we have one word for this which is some guy with a beard that lives up somewhere in heaven and I think the fact that we don't have many words for love or God limits our nuanced approach to these subjects. It really, we, we just don't have a word for it. Yeah, and I'm surprised because it's certainly something that uh, occupies our minds. Uh, like the old uh, cliche, I don't know if it's true or not, but that Eskimos have 50 words for snow. Um, because in their experience, there's so many different kinds of snow, wet snow, dry snow, fresh snow, soft snow. But um, there are also so many different kinds of love. There's sexual love, there's uh, familiar love, motherly, familial, familial? Yes, that's the word. Familial love, friendship, love of things, enjoyment of art, etc. And there's just so many ways, and they're really all so different from each other, especially the ones that point to loving some object that you have to get as opposed to love being your actual true nature that you already are. Yeah. And there's so many ways to use language to get back to love and awareness. And one of them traditionally has been the use of poetry, you know, Rumi, Hafiz, uh, there's hundreds of mystical poets and Sometimes you read that stuff and you, you can get a, a taste. It's like being seduced into higher states of consciousness. And I'm wondering if you have any favorite poetic statements that might be a good introduction to what we're talking about. Oh, sure. Now that you mentioned Rumi, one of my favorites is, uh, there's a fountain inside you. 
don't walk around with an empty bucket. Yeah. And uh, he also said, only from the heart can you touch the sky. And uh, Walt Whitman, there is no object so soft, but it makes a hub for the wheeled universe. Mm. You know, each of these can be used as a contemplation, you know, That's where right. you, you drop it into the pool of your consciousness and you let the ripples move you into a deeper space. And that's one of the great things about poetry, if you use it and listen to it correctly. That's absolutely right. And as a matter of fact, there are many people who believe that the essence of poetry is to express mystical experience. And of course, traditionally, that has been the case, although there are plenty of poets who simply want to express every day simply want to express everyday experience. But um, when you hear things like William Blake saying things like, for everything exists and not one sigh, nor smile, nor tear, nor hair, nor particle of dust, not one can pass away. That is really a way to use both the sound of words and the sense of words to point us to something really deep in terms of the universality of experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some of the best classic rock or uh, things like that, easy listening that came out of, you know, the acid rock often pointed to something that was attainable through drugs or meditation. And uh, I like listening to those types of words as well. Oh, sure. They're really fun listening to the Moody Blues or Emerson, Lake and Palmer or Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's actually a lot of mysticism in, uh, in that as well. And Simon and Garfunkel. The Absolutely. sound of silence. Just that alone is, is, uh, is, a, is a wonderful uh, use of language to point to the experience of nothingness or oneness yeah or everythingness yeah and certainly you know spiritual teachers use words as part of their discourse or satsang to help bring the uh, community of listeners into a higher state of being and that's that's gone on for thousands of years and you can listen to all these teachers on youtube now for free just as a way of in a way, um, a almost guided, spontaneous meditation that takes you to a place beyond the ego. Absolutely right. And I have something, I have some thoughts about that as well, because uh, I often listen to these, what sometimes are called Dharma talks. Uh, for example, at the beginning of a retreat or something, the teacher might go on for 20 minutes, half an hour. And how to listen to those, I think, is really key. Because I used to listen to it for simply the content and to decide which I agree with and which I don't agree with, or what I can remember after I leave and, uh, and make mental notes of. 
But later on, I found that I thought a much better way of listening to these kind of spontaneous talks is to actually listen from awareness, to imagine that the words and the speaking and the thoughts and the ideas are happening in awareness. In other words, asking, what is all this appearing to while listening? And that seems to have a much more direct approach. It allows the words to go directly into the depth of your true nature, as opposed to floating around in the uh, logical mind. Yeah, it's coming out of awareness and pointing to itself. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. that's beautiful. Uh, yes, but you put it much more succinctly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm also impressed in, in the recent years by taking some courses like the Finders course, which uh, I took and was very good. They use a lot of methods that I had never come across. And that's not easy because I'm a method junkie where they use words to help you to awaken to awareness and one example, which uh, I will talk about and show in the guided meditation today, is they just say, fill in the sentence back and forth with somebody, awareness is. And what you do is you just try to describe to somebody who has no idea what awareness is, what it is in a sentence or two or three. And you go back and forth and you're trying to point your mind and your heart to this reality and as you keep reminding yourself and which is not easy to do because awareness is not a thing so it doesn't the words don't necessarily come easily so in the guided meditation today people will get a better sense of what i'm talking about but uh it's very effective and we would do this with partners and we would just like soar into the stratosphere after about 10 minutes where we're now pure awareness and, you know, can barely talk. After a while, that was the hardest thing to do. Uh, <laughs> and then I came up with the idea of something to do that was a little bit simpler because some people, you know, the general population might not be able to use that method because you have to have a certain amount of familiarity with awareness. So I created the uh, technique love is. So in my workshops, I just, uh, was doing a workshop at a festival and people paired up and they would go back and forth saying what love is. You know, like you're describing what love is to somebody who doesn't know what it is. And it starts being a, starts as an intellectual description, but soon you're in like a bathtub of love with the person you're doing this with and you can describe in real time what your experience is. And it's very powerful. And it's just using words as like a form of dynamic, two-person meditation. It's fascinating how words can resonate with you beyond their surface meaning. And especially in a situation like that where they're repeated over and over again, and they keep sending you back and back and back. And there's an expansiveness uh, that happens there, like, uh, like Rumi's um, uh, back and back and back in infinite rings of being. Mm-hmm. And words can actually put us there as long as we're not getting in the way by trying to figure them out intellectually. And when we run out of words, 
that's when we have to really look deep. And that's why I think the things that you're describing work so well, because at a certain point, you run out of words. So you have to look at the thing itself, which, of course, as you mentioned, is no thing. But you have to look at love itself. You have to look at awareness itself and ask the question, what is it? And look and see if you can come up with an answer. And it's actually not the answer that is the goal. It's the actual looking. Oh, you, I'm glad you said that because you're right. You, the, the goal, you have to use it lightly, like poetry, like listening to poetry. You know, if you listen to poetry, like it's a very linear thing, you miss the poetry part of it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it's almost like using words to ride a wave that takes you deeper into the ocean of this moment. Nice. Word surfing. Yes, word surfing, uh, a fun hobby. Yeah. You know, another method I've explored, which is interesting, is to eliminate certain words. And the most important word to eliminate that will really uh, screw with your mind is the word I. What if you can't say the word I? And, oh. and because we're always referring to I like we're a very separate entity. And if you eliminate that word, you have to come up with other terms like uh, uh, this body is going to the store or he thinks that uh, the political situation is unfortunate or uh, the body is enjoying the weather or this being is feeling anxious. And that creates a very impersonal way of looking at our ego that can be very impactful. Have you ever tried something like that? Yes, I think it's really fun. And even just using my own name in the third person, mm -hmm. you know, oh, there goes Brian again, having that feeling. Yeah, um, actually creates a separation between my true self and the feeling. So it takes up less of my consciousness. And I feel more expanded that way. Yeah, it's a first step in, in disidentifying from our thoughts and ego, which are normally glued together, unfortunately. Right. And of course, as long as you don't actually try and have conversations with other people that way, because they're going to quickly run from the room and say, that person is crazy. Yeah, I'm reminded of the interview we did with Byron Katie, where she said when she woke up, she would say, uh, this being is going to the store. And she had to learn how to talk in a more normal <laughs> way. Right, so she right. bring people out. I think she even said, uh, it's hungry or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's hungry. Yeah, and that, of course, is wild. But it is interesting that uh, when we think of ourselves other than I, when we eliminate the word I, the things that we usually identify as our names, our bodies, our personality become objects in awareness. And that facilitates the identification with awareness itself, which is, I believe, the, the best goal. Yeah, yeah. So many possibilities in this exploration. And, you know, since we thought of this topic, we, we just realized it kept on getting bigger and bigger. And you know, how do you, 
you know, uh, so I put out to our listeners, how do you use words to create either separation or unity? And it's a fun exploration to think of what works for you. Sometimes I come up with phrases that help point me, like in the headless way, they have a term face to no face, because I can't see my face. So I see your face, face to no face. And the, the no face part reminds me that I'm kind of coming out of this nothingness. And uh, that's a trigger for me. But I think it's very specific to each person to come up with a phrase or the use of language that helps remind them very quickly that ultimately we are awareness. That's right. Do you have any phrases like that that you use? Well, um, actually, just simply the word I. Mm. I mean, this is the opposite of taking away the word I. The opposite is dwelling on the word I or repeating it. I. I. But you can't just repeat it by rote. You have to be looking inside to see what does I represent. And then you have to negate everything that you come up with. Uh, Like I, who am I? Well, I'm this body. Well, who sees the body? I'm this Mm -hmm. thought. Who sees that thought? So you keep going back and back with the word I, I, or some people prefer I am. I am. So it's just the I am. It's not, I am a man, I am a woman, I am an American. If you take off the third word and just uh-huh. leave the I am, that also gets you back to the nothingness that you are. That experiences yeah. everything. Every time we say just the word I, we should just kind of giggle a little bit as <laughs> to how ridiculous that, how limiting a and erroneous a reality that that points to in a certain way. It really does. Yeah. It's useful in, in uh, everyday activities, but it's useful for the, the entity, uh, the, um, what Paul Hederman calls the action figure. Yeah. The thing that yeah. has to go to the store and buy things, but yeah. it's really not what experience is really appearing to. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of I, I'm thinking, giggle, yes. giggle, uh, <laughs> that it's almost time for our guided meditation, which I'm very excited about. Any last words on the mystical use of language? No, I'm looking forward to the guided meditation. So uh, I, am, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could say they are looking forward to it, or yeah. it is looking forward to it. This being which comes out of nothingness, is interested in hearing how to point back to awareness. So uh, I would ask our listeners to get comfortable, take a deep breath or two, and to know that this meditation is a way to use words to point back to awareness. And in order to do that, I'm going to say some brief descriptions of awareness. And your job is to hear it like poetry, where you ride 
those descriptions into a reminder of your true nature. So do your best to hear these brief descriptions of awareness with your heart and your being rather than just your head. And between each description, I'll leave some time for you to just resonate with that statement. Awareness is seeing and experiencing without the filter of ego. Just contemplate that. Try to feel that as best you can. Awareness has no agenda or preferences or desire to do anything. Awareness is like a rock in a river of thoughts that pass by and the thoughts do not disrupt that rock. Awareness is the effortless receiving of sounds and sights and thoughts and emotions. We are all in awareness. Everything is in the field of awareness. Awareness is born anew in each and every moment. Awareness holds us all in a field of love and welcomes everything equally. Awareness is noticing without any judgment. Awareness is pure vulnerability without any protections. Awareness is what's left when I take away all that it's not.
Awareness is a shift in identity from wave to ocean. Awareness is like being let out of a tiny cage. Awareness is a spacious opening to all that is in this moment. Awareness is the screen on which life is projected. Awareness is like a mirror that accurately reflects this moment. Awareness is a full embrace and acceptance of exactly what is. Awareness is the ever-present space of total acceptance. Awareness is the vibrating energy that animates all of life. And lastly, awareness is pure beingness. Continuing to allow yourself to relax into the ocean of awareness, very slowly and gently, come back to feeling your body in your chair, sensing the spaciousness of the room around you, and slowly beginning to open your eyes from this place of awareness and seeing each moment anew, allowing yourself time to take this precious jewel 
into your day-to-day life. So Brian, you get a wonderful look on your face when I do a meditation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, or he really enjoyed that. Yes, yes. It was really wonderful to, um, to be able to each time return to awareness and experience this amazing paradox because awareness is actually nothing. And that's the amazing thing about language. It's really none of those things. And yet all of those things served to point to the no thing that awareness is. It was wonderful. I loved it. Good. As we start off saying, that's the use of making love with words. Yeah. And what could be better than that? <laughs> Anyways, a wonderful discussion. I hope our listeners enjoyed it, that you use it, you explore it, you tell your friends about it, you come up with your own discussion. Feel free to email us at awarenessexplorers.com. There's a place to contact us where we have we do awareness coaching sessions. There's a donate button. There's, I think, 33 other episodes with some famous spiritual teachers and lots of interesting topics. And of course, our meditations. And all this is also starting to be available on YouTube as well. Just type in Awareness Explorers and you get a lot of videos. And we love to do this service for free and listen and hear your feedback. So be in touch with us. And anything you'd like to add, Brian? No, I'm just very, very grateful for all of our listeners because I really enjoy creating these podcasts and I enjoy hearing back from our listeners about how much they've enjoyed them. And so just want to shout out to say thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Yeah, me too. It's great when I go to festivals and people tell us, Wow, you're the guy from Awareness Explorers. I'm really enjoying that. And this is what I got out of it. So continue those emails coming. And, and uh, till next time, as always, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.